You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome in, everybody, to the Flagship Podcast. I am Chip Brown, Horns247.com, joined, as always, by the managing editor of Horns247, Taylor Estes. Taylor, how you doing? I am doing well, Chip. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing great. It is um, Wednesday, December 7th, mm-hmm. and we are uh, in the middle of Portal Palooza. <laughs> yeah. We also know now Texas will be playing Washington in the Alamo Bowl. And I, I'm actually excited to see this matchup because Washington uh, finished the season on a six-game winning streak, has one of the best offenses in college football. Their quarterback, Michael Penix Jr., who transferred from Indiana to Washington when Kalen DeBoer took the Washington job before this season and took a sort of moribund Washington program that had just fired Jimmy Lake as the head coach and and lit it up. I mean, 10 and two, they have two 1,000 yard receivers and we're waiting to see who all is going to play for Texas in this Alamo Bowl. Potential opt-outs of, of players we don't, no, for certain yet. Um, the the Longhorns don't start bowl practice until Friday of this week. So that will probably be a good indicator. Also, Steve Sarkeesian is uh, meeting with the press in an Alamo Bowl press conference on Thursday of this week. So we might get some information then. But I, I like this matchup. And I think this is a game where the Texas defense, which has played so well uh, through the course of this season and had some star-making uh, performances from guys like Jalen Ford and Jade Barron and just an outstanding year-long performance from their defensive line. Uh, I think this is going to be a really interesting matchup. So I'm excited. Yeah. I mean, you see that it's kind of interesting to see chip the, the um, difference in the records, you know, Texas is playing in the Alamo bowl as an eight and four team where 
Washington's 10 and two, you see that I think, and you're like, whoa, like how did Texas get stuck with this matchup? Um, however, though, you know, I think if if Utah would have lost the the Pac-12 championship game to USC, then Texas would have played Utah. And I kind of like this matchup a little bit better than Texas against Utah, you know, especially after seeing that performance from Cam Rising, you know, former Texas quarterback that transferred to Utah against USC in that um, you know, the Pac-12 championship beatdown, basically, of USC. What was the score? I think 47 to 20, I think, at the yeah, end of Andrew the game. Yeah, Andrew Quinden Jackson, former yeah. Longhorn. Yeah, turn running back. Turn running right? back, pulling yeah. a rojo. Yeah, and so this is a this I feel like is probably a little bit more favorable matchup. I'll say I haven't watched a ton of Washington football this season. I feel like it's hard in the in the you know our area of the country. Uh, those Pac-12 after dark type of games can uh, be things that you miss, but. I feel like this is a little bit more favorable matchup than Utah. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's interesting because Washington's defense is solid. They um, given up 26 points per game, but really good against the run. Uh, only giving up 3.5 yards per carry. Their offense, they love to throw the football. Like they want to throw the football. So th this is an, a situation where uh, Texas, which always tries to take away the run first, is going to have to kind of look at the the game plan a little bit. I mean, you still want to take away the run for sure, but Washington doesn't have a running back that you're, you know, really scared of. And Michael Penix Jr., while he can run, he tends to use his legs to extend plays to be able to make a throw downfield. So this, I think this is a really intriguing matchup uh, for the Texas defense, which is if, if there's a, little nitpick with the Texas defense. It's some of the big plays that have been given up uh, in big games. The, you know, the long pass touchdown uh, against TCU. Uh, so Texas needs to, you know, be really tight in its, uh, in its preparation and its communication once the game begins. And, and again, opt outs, who's, who's right. playing for Texas. So we're, uh, we'll be getting more information on that as as the week progresses. But um, yeah, I, I think this is going to be uh, a good challenge. And Quinn Ewers, you know, where's Quinn Ewers? Because obviously his confidence took a hit over the second half of the season. Uh, that's not something that he's accustomed to. He's always accustomed to being part of the solution, not part of the problem. And And so Steve Sarkeesian needs to get his confidence back up and and use these bowl practices and this bowl game to send Quinn Ewers into offseason conditioning and spring football with uh, a lot more confidence than maybe he finished the season with. So I think uh, this is, it's not a ho-hum matchup for sure. And Texas has already sold out its allotment of tickets. Now, that's probably not a shock since it's yeah. 90 miles down the road, but the fact that they sold it out this quickly, I think is, is positive and they get that eight o'clock spot on December 29th. It's a, it's a prime uh, game for recruiting. Everyone's watching it. And, and so I think this is, this is going to be a lot of fun. I'm actually excited. I made my hotel reservations to go down right day after Christmas and, uh, get in there and get all the the pre 
pre-bowl game stories written for Horns 24-7. So, yeah, I'm in. I'm in. Yeah, and this is a game that anytime that Texas is on the table um, when it comes to bowl selection for the Alamo Bowl, if they can swing it, they're always going to want Texas in, just like the Texas Bowl, too. You know, I've had um, sources say that if Texas is ever on the table, by the time that the Texas Bowl committee makes their selection, they're going to pick Texas for that game. And it's the proximity. So it's not really a surprise that Texas fan or that they've already sold out their fan allotment. I feel like San Antonio chip is kind of our home away from home. I mean, my goodness, I've how many I'm trying to think how many Alamo Bowl games. I I mean, 2012, 2013, uh, 20, no, 2019, 2020, or yeah, 2019, 2020. So five in my what eleven seasons I think oh man and that's I'm aging myself but yeah so. that's that's a good thing because they have moved up in the bowl pecking order so you have the Sugar Bowl where the Big Twelve champion goes that's where K State is playing TCU this year of course gets into the college football playoff but the Alamo Bowl picks second after the Sugar Bowl so if you're going to the Alamo Bowl uh, it's not the Sugar Bowl, obviously, you didn't win your conference championship, but you're you're probably knocking on the door. And that's that's where Texas. I did a interview today on Sirius XM radio, and you know, they were asking me eight and four regular season. Is that six a successful season? I said, No, it's progress. And that's what Steve Sarkeesian needed to show after five and seven in year one. Uh, and then gathering up a bunch of momentum in the offseason with the recruiting class that Texas signed and, you know, bringing in Brendan Marion and Tashard Choice as assistant coaches, Gary Patterson as special assistant, Arch Manning commits, and the momentum that Texas has going into the 2023 signing period, which is t- less than two, well, two weeks away. Let's just call it two weeks away. Um, no, it is two weeks exactly to the date because we are recording on Wednesday. So. Yeah. So they needed to show progress to maintain that momentum. And I think they've, I think they've done that. And, and now with the, the talent that they've brought in, in 2022, if they can stack another class like that in 2023, which it looks like Texas is in line to do uh, in the quarterback position uh, looks, you know, it should improve from this, past season I expect Quinn Ewers to to step up and kind of like Hudson Card did from from last season to this season losing Hudson Card to the transfer portal is a big deal because we saw across the Big 12 how many backup quarterbacks needed to play Max Duggan is a Heisman finalist he's he was the backup to start the season so and Will Howard the guy who won the Big 12 championship so we know how important that uh, backup quarterback position is and that's that's a question for Steve Sarkeesian. Do you feel confident enough with Quinn Ewers, Malik Murphy, uh, if if Arch Manning is to redshirt, and I think that's what Arch Manning wants, then Steve Sarkeesian's got to get Malik Murphy uh, comfortable enough to where, uh, without any college experience, where he's capable of coming in as a backup and, and getting uh, this team to move the chains and get in the end zone. Yeah, or even, you know, in the offseason, I mean, Steve Sarkeesian did say that the quarterback position, the competition will continue throughout the offseason. And and I'm not really sure 
how much I believe that. I think he has to say that. Obviously, you want, you know, you want competition in every position. However, it's not out of the ordinary at Texas for a guy that is expected to be the guy to be over, you know, taken like Colt McCoy, you know, back in uh, 2000 or his uh, redshirt freshman season in Texas. So it's going to be uh, interesting to see. But yeah, I think I think the thing with Malik Murphy, you know, everyone's talking right now about Arch Manning, obviously, as um, our guys, Mike Roach and Hudson Standish have reported. We've talked about this, too. Um, you know, that I, th- <clears throat> I think ideally they want the Manning family wants Arch Manning to redshirt, which is, let's be honest, probably in the best interest for any quarterback, you know, especially one coming out of high school. I mean, there's a reason why there has not been a true freshman quarterback win the Heisman. You know, it just doesn't happen. A redshirt freshman has, but or a couple actually. But um, yeah, you know, Trevor I, I, Lawrence is about as close as we've seen. But yes, yeah, and so it's and, kind of the anomaly. Yeah, exactly, and so. It's going to be interesting to see where Malik Murphy's development is, but I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't count this guy out as a, a potential quality backup. You, you know, it would be nice, I think, to have more experience in the backup quarterback role. Obviously, Hudson Card's experience came through big, you know, when Quinn Ewers was injured in the first quarter of the Alabama game. I don't think many people, if you would have told them prior to the start of the game that Quinn Ewers would have had such a hot start and then go out of that game, that Texas would only lose by one point to the, at the time, number one team in the country. So yes, it was a loss, a loss is a loss, but still the fact that backup quarterback who also was injured, you know, came off the bench, played throughout that game and kept them in it. That was a big deal. And so there's, there's definitely going to be some pressure on, uh, I would say AJ Milweed, Steve Sarkeesian, and then the quarterback room, the players to really get ready this off season. Cause you're right. I mean, look at how many players, Max Duggan's a perfect example, as you said. You know, he he did, lost the starting job, and then he goes in, and now he's a Heisman finalist. So, you know, you've always got to have somebody ready for when their number is called to go in the game. Malik Murphy always obviously had a really high ceiling, um, a raw talent, I think, coming out of high school just because of the minimal game experience that he did have playing quarterback, and then the you know the high the COVID season in 2020 in California where the, the schools didn't really play a full football season in the fall. So definitely some ground to make up, I would say, but I wouldn't count him out. I think that he, he has the tools to be a quality quarterback, whether it's a backup or, you know, I mean, shoot, if he, if he goes toe to toe with Quinn Ewers and somehow wins the job in the off season, as bad as that would be for Quinn Ewers, I, I think that's a, that's a serious sign of progress for the room in general. Yeah. And Malik Murphy is, I'm so fascinated by him because when you, you know, talk to team sources, the guy has this magnetic personality, this charisma, uh, this swag that I want to see if that translates um, quickly to the field. Because the thing about Steve Sarkeesian's system is it, we know it's a lot. It's, there's, it's not as complex as it is comprehensive uh, with all the motions and protections an added eye candy that Steve Sarkeesian likes. It's a lot to learn. You need quarterbacks to stay in the system. Like he had at Alabama when Mac Jones was, was backing up to a tongue of Iloa and, and then Mac Jones steps in as a third year guy who knows that offense has worked in that offense has, he played some while Tua was injured and and Alabama was able to just keep going from and Bryce Young. 
you have to have quarterbacks like airplanes on the runway uh, because you don't run your quarterback and any college defense will say, Oh, okay, good. We don't have to face a running quarterback this week. That, that added element of a running quarterback gives the offense, the ability to outnumber the, the defensive front and really, uh, you know, make things difficult. We know Vince young, uh, Colt McCoy, and because Steve Sarkeesian wants to run an NFL pro-style offense and attract the top-end quarterbacks, which he's doing, you also have to have that that uh, you know backup quarterback, and and that's why I've said Malik Murphy's so important. Uh, he's got to be the guy that stays and gets developed and believes in Steve Sarkeesian in Texas to the point where no matter what's going on with Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning, Malik Murphy continues to battle and be ready because look look at what we've seen. I mean, Cade Klubnick at Clemson comes out of Westlake. He was the better quarterback this year. If if he played ahead of DJ Ungalale, who knows what, you know, Clemson might be in the playoffs. And and so that's that's where you just have to have the ability to keep quarterbacks in your system, learning it, getting more experience. Uh, Texas was in the perfect position this year with Hudson Card because Card had was in his second year in Sarkeesian's offense, had a comfortability with it, uh, showed that uh, his best game was his last game, 21 to 27, 300 yards, three touchdowns, no picks in that 38-20 win over West Virginia. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see where Card goes because his high school offensive coordinator uh, at Lake Travis just got the job uh, at Oregon. He was at UTSA, but he just took the, um, you know, took a job at Oregon. And so, you know, that's interesting. You got Tom Herman at Florida Atlantic who recruited Hudson Card. You've got uh, Tim Beck at NC State who was at Texas and recruited Hudson Card and NC State quarterback Devin Leary uh, just entered the transfer portal. So, uh, and then we heard Notre Dame was hot and heavy for Hudson Card. So he's got some really interesting options. It it might appear. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and it's going to be something to watch. And that's why you're going to want to stay over at Horns twenty four seven for all of the latest recruiting transfer portal news, everything, as Chip mentioned earlier, early signing period, two weeks away. And actually right now we are running a 50% off special. It's um, actually in a conjunction with our parent company, Paramount Plus, but they're running for the month, month of December, 50% off um, all annual memberships of Horns 24-7, even monthly members. If you are month to month currently and you want to have the premium VIP access to all of the team sites, you can upgrade to annual and you also will get the 50% off deal that is running for the month of December. But, you know, sometimes in December, well, I would say actually it's kind of changed with the, the early signing period, Chip, because I feel like prior to the early signing period, December was a little bit in a lull until bowl, you know, preparations and stuff started. Um, it's not that way anymore. I mean, it is transfer portal palooza. It is, you know, coaches going in home visits right now with uh, the key 2023 prospects signees, the guys that are planning on signing in 2023. So there's no shortage of information over at Horns 24-7 right now. And uh, the portal thing is just crazy. I mean, um, I had some personal things go on during the weekend. And so 
our staff stepped up big time in my absence, but uh, it was like our staff text was just blowing up over and over and over again with Texas having, I believe it's now nine players enter the transfer portal. It's going to be fascinating to see who they also go after in the transfer portal. You know, I think we're talking about the quarterbacks We're you know, mm-hmm. and having experienced depth. Is that something that Steve Sarkeesian is going to want to add more to in that room? Maybe if there is a transfer, I mean, look at some of these guys that are in the transfer portal, as you mentioned, I can never say his last name, but uh, the Clemson quarterback, DJ, how yeah, do you say DJ it? DJ Ungalale. Ungalale, you know, him entering, he's in the portal, I believe, right? Yeah. And there's just a lot of movement right now. And it's kind of crazy. I, I'm going to your take on this, Chip, because you've covered college football for so long. I feel like this, I mean, the transfer portal has become, ever since its installment, kind of the wild, wild west. But this year, I believe I saw something that there's already a thousand players in the NCAA transfer portal. And mind you, that opened on Monday of this week, where players that were not grad transfers could officially show up in the transfer portal. That seems ludicrous to me. I mean, can you believe that this is where we're at, you know, with you covering college football for nearly 30 years now? Can you believe that this is the current state of of the the sport? Well, JT Daniels is looking at transferring for the fourth time, mm-hmm. and and they haven't even they haven't even approved the anytime transfer rule yet, um, which just makes it chaos for coaches in trying to uh, maintain what the roster is going to look like from year to year. And, you know, Mike Gundy probably regrets saying what he said after losing to West Virginia about, you know, not wanting to have to re-recruit his own players all the time. Uh, And then all of a sudden Spencer Sanders, Trace Ford um, are, are in the transfer portal from Oklahoma state. These are guys, these are veteran guys who, helped uh, Oklahoma state what get six inches away from a big 12 title in uh, in 2021. And you also saw how they did not have a quality backup quarterback and it sunk their season. You know, Spencer Sanders was banged up. He was banged up when he was playing against Texas. And, and then that team just kind of gave out uh, the week after they played Texas. Uh, But when, Spencer Sanders went out of the game. You had true freshman Garrett Rangel and Mike Gundy's walk-on son, Gunnar Gundy. And those two struggled to the point where Gundy went to Spencer Sanders and asked him to go back, to go into the Iowa State game in the fourth quarter. And Sanders did and delivered a win. But I think, you know, I don't know what Sanders' NIL situation is, if he's getting if intermediaries are telling him he can make a bunch more money somewhere else. We sort of saw that with Jordan Addison, the receiver at Pitt last year going to USC and that almost worked for, for Jordan Addison. I mean, it did work. Um, But, you know, Caleb Williams gets injured in that championship game in the first quarter. He's playing on one leg, still um, made some incredible plays in that game. And Jordan Addison was a big part of the USC turnaround. So it's crazy. It is crazy. I've never seen anything like it. I didn't think we would. I, I thought a one-time transfer rule was going to be a one-time transfer rule. 
Right. Uh, but what's, when you see a situation like JT Daniels, who's you know been at USC, Georgia, West Virginia, now uh, there's talk he might try to transfer again. It's uh, it is it's nuts, and it's you gotta you gotta keep smiling and saying you'll adapt, like Steve Sarkeesian's doing. I give Sarkeesian a lot of credit. Uh, Nick Saban is clearly not happy because some things have leveled off with NIL and the transfer portal to where Alabama is not the preeminent. Um, they're not going to get to just pick who they want. I mean, they lost a player to Deion Sanders and Jackson state. And, and so it's, uh, it is totally different. And as a coach, you got to keep smiling and maintain that connection with your own team and tell everyone, Hey, we just have to adapt no matter how many headaches it's causing you behind the scenes. Yeah. And, and I mean, even right now, you know, you look at Alabama, they're losing a number of uh, guys to the transfer portal. I believe Tommy Brockermeyer is in there. Um, I believe it's him, right? The former five-star offensive tackle, the son of, um, oh my goodness, I totally yeah. just dropped his Blake name. <laughs> Blake Brockermeyer. Excuse me. Sorry, Blake. He works at our, our company. Yeah, and I yeah, think Tommy... <laughs> I think Tommy's upset. You know, he had surgery and Nick Saban didn't really tell anyone that just made it sound like he was a scrub who'd fallen off the, the depth chart. And, and so it's, you know, when you have a roster like you do at Alabama, uh, certain guys get tired of waiting. And so we'll see, we'll see how, how this plays out, but it is bonkers. I mean, it really is. We, sometimes we come up with, weird names or goofy things to generate interest, but portal Palooza <laughs> is legit. It's, it's bonkers. So uh, Texas right now with nine, because Logan Parr announced um, nine, either in the portal or intending to, to portal Jameer Johnson is interesting. I, I should have checked right before we started recording, but as of last night, Jameer Johnson had indicated on social media that he was going to portal, but his name wasn't in the portal yet. And of course it opened on Monday. Now, you know, I've heard Jameer Johnson is a guy that I think Texas coaches are saying, you know, what about safety? Um, and so we'll see if that pitch can maybe convince Jameer Johnson to, to change his mind. We'll, we'll see, but Logan Parr, the backup center and offensive guard uh, this season has indicated he's going to portal. Uh, and that probably clears the way for Connor Robertson from Westlake, who prepared, uh, you know, at center all season uh, to move into that backup role behind Jake majors. So I think Logan Parr saw the, the depth chart, filling up and decided, okay, if I'm going to get a chance to, to have more playing time, it's probably going to have to be somewhere else. Um, you know, Prince Dorba going into the portal. This is a, a frustrating one in my opinion, because the kid is talented and you know, everything I've heard is he just enjoyed being a Texas football player, maybe too much and just didn't put in the work, uh, because he's got talent and they they put him at strong side linebacker uh, behind DeMarvin Overshawn. They've had him on the edge. 
and he's made plays when he's been in games, but they want more. Kind of like Alfred Collins, they want more, more consistency, more uh, sustained playmaking. Um, you know, JD Coffee, DJ Harris in the portal, Andre Carrick in the portal. I understand those. Um, we talked about Hudson Card. Um, the only player who's indicated they're portaling, who Steve Sarkeesian recruited, is Devin Richardson, the linebacker who transferred from New Mexico State before the, the 2021 season. You know, coaches liked his athletic ability, and he played some this year. He actually even played as a goal line fullback um, before they put in uh, the big fellas like Byron Murphy and Keandre Coburn. But he, you know, he's, uh, from what I've heard, thinking, okay, my time's running out here. And if Jalen Ford comes back and you've got David Benda and now, Mo Blackwell, a guy they, um, you know, are moving around and playing as a weak side linebacker. Uh, I that one hurts a little bit because of the depth at linebacker. Taylor, we talked about it all season. How fortunate Texas was that Jalen Ford and Demarvin Overshone basically played every snap or were available for every snap. I mean, they went in and out of games, but um, they, you know, Texas stayed pretty healthy at linebacker and with. Uh, Diamante Tucker Dorsey coming in and helping out. So they didn't really get into their depth, but, um, you know, next year you have to replace DeMarvi and Overshone and um, coaches are, are excited about David Benda. Uh, that's a name you do not want to see in the portal um, yeah. <laughs> because they need him to come on and, uh, and, and get his chance. Yeah. And, Potentially, they may need to replace Jalen Ford. I mean, he, I think, has a bit of a decision to make. Um, you know, yeah, nothing... he had such a big season. Yeah, he did. And so that's something to watch, too, I think. Um, as of, I'm looking at the 24-7 sports transfer portal group for Texas, and it, it is showing Jameer Johnson in the transfer portal okay. right now. So okay. um, he is listed. Logan Parr is not yet listed, but he um, just recently announced his intentions. It can take. Oh, a few days, sometimes up to, I think, 48 hours for their names to actually show up. So, yeah, I mean, this is going to be interesting to watch. But, yeah, linebacker, again, it may be a position chip that we're talking about this offseason as that it's got to stay healthy. And, and you said it right. I think you said it perfectly. Texas was really fortunate that it stayed healthy this year. And I also think that was really fortunate that Jalen Ford came on in such a monster way that we're sitting here talking about he may be somebody who could leave early. Um, for the NFL draft, he has a decision to make there. So a lot of things coming up here. Um, you want to move on to a little talks, Texas basketball talk? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I think with Jameer Johnson in the portal now, I think that solidifies Texas having to look in the portal for a veteran safety mm -hmm. because you'll have Jaron Thompson, but um, and you've got B.J. Allen and Larry Turner Gooden behind uh, him, but with Anthony Cook moving on, you've got Michael Taff, who is a walk-on, um, who's shown he can, you know, he, he got better as the season went on. Michael and, Griffin seemed to really like him when we had him on our podcast. He talked up Michael Taff a pretty yeah. decent amount, which was a little surprising, honestly, for me to hear him talk so much about a walk-on. Yeah, and they Texas has just got to get better in their quarters coverage. They play so much of it that you'd think they'd be better, but when you know when 
receivers are moving from one quarter of the field to the next, the communication between the corners and the safeties has to be better. But Michael Taff is a smart guy. He's a communicator. I think that's why he moved ahead of JD Coffee uh, and why JD Coffee's in the in the transfer portal. But yeah, Taylor, what a game last night at Madison Square Garden. This was a wild game. It felt like kind of like the Creighton game. It felt like an NCAA tournament game. A uh, lot of momentum swings. Uh, Illinois was 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 good early. Texas answered, and then Texas is up ten with eight minutes left, and looks like they're gonna put this game away. And and then I mean the thinnest of margins. Texas misses three shots in a row, uh, turns the ball over. Illinois gets hot. And suddenly it's a two point game with four minutes left. Uh, but even with all that, uh, Texas with, and, and I hate this. And I wrote about this in the morning brew today because I've been so high on, on Tyrese Hunter and Marcus Carr and Sir Jabari Rice as a backcourt. I still am, but it, it was one of those situations where, you know, here's Tyrese Hunter, a 92.3% free throw shooter at the line with 21 point seven seconds left and texas has a two-point lead it's a one and one if he hits both it's probably ball game but he misses the front end of the one and one illinois gets the rebound and then texas is playing great defense but jabari rice blitzes a ball screen and kind of stumbles and falls into uh jaden epps the illinois freshman guard gets called for a foul with you know 7.6 seconds left you're going what just happened you know it, it's 30 40 feet from the basket you're putting a freshman on the line now i get it you know afterward chris beard clearly did not that was not intentional um you know they weren't trying to keep illinois from from making a three and so anyway you put the freshman jaden epps at the line he makes both free throws texas took a timeout after the first free throw try and ice him he made the second and then this is where it, for me, it, I, I just, you know, Marcus Carr was the one bringing the ball up the floor and Carr had been like bordering on out of control throughout the game. You know, he had great energy. He was trying to do everything right, but he really struggled shooting the ball three of 14. And he did exactly what you would want uh, Marcus Carr to do. He drew the defense. He got into the lane and he had Jabari Rice wide open for a three and instead Carr went up against two defenders and almost got his shot blocked. And it was, I mean, shot never made it anywhere near the basket and they go into overtime. You, you, you just, you want your point guard to have better awareness at that second. And I, again, I love that Marcus Carr thought he could make the shot or wanted to make the shot, but, Man, in a game like that against a, a NCAA tournament team like Illinois, the defending Big Ten champions, you got to have that court awareness. They go into overtime, and then the craziest thing, Terrence Shannon, who played for Chris Beard at Texas Tech, who had done nothing in the first half, like not one point. He's their leading scorer, averaging 19 points, uh, goes off in overtime, scores 12 points in overtime, and could not miss. And you let a dangerous team like Illinois hang around um you know you you face that potential and 
and Illinois got hot at the right time. They really dominated the overtime. And, and so Texas um, loses their first game of the year. It was their first game outside of the state of Texas. But Taylor, I did like, you know, I, there was a lot to like about Timmy Allen had his best game of the year. Finally, you know, looked comfortable, looked aggressive, 21 points. Uh, Arterio Morris, I thought, played with an energy that we haven't seen yet. You know, he's been kind of a three-point shooter, but last night he was, you know, he was contesting shots. He blocked a shot. He got called for a goaltending on another. He he just was, he had great energy. He was all over the place. And um, man, if he can t- continue to cut it loose like that, man, they can use, uh, they can use that. And Dylan Mitchell with that alley-oop dunk from, from Timmy Allen with four minutes left. Um, you know, Texas hit some big shots down the stretch. Brock Cunningham, Jabari Rice hit big threes down the stretch. Marcus Carr hit a step back three, but Illinois was matching them, you know, right. and it was one of those situations where, um, you know, Illinois didn't flinch. And so great game, great game, tough one, because again, Tyrese Hunter hits those two free throws. Uh, if Marcus Carr finds Jabari Rice for that three, who knows if Rice would have made it, but it, Rice had just made a big three um, a couple minutes earlier. So um, a good learning experience, as as Chris Beard uh, said after the game. Yeah, and I think with Marcus Carr, you would hope that he has more court awareness in that scenario, given his age. I mean, he's a grad student right now. So, um, you know, you got to clean that up for sure. Yeah, and I think hopefully going forward, it's Tyrese Hunter or Jabari Rice handling the ball in those situations because they just have a better pace. They don't get sped up like Carr does. They see the court. They just have sort of a a really good awareness. And, and I think it will be either Hunter or Rice handling the ball in those situations. Hunter was sort of in and out of the game with cramps. They were using a you know, Theragun or whatever massage gun on his, on his thigh. And he's had cramp. He cramped in the Creighton game. We got to get him some more bananas or potassium or uh, he mm-hmm. needs to hydrate better. Maybe he needs to spend some time with Tom Herman. Um, <laughs> bring him back. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I love this team. I do. I love this Texas team. I love the backcourt. I love Tyrese Hunter. Uh, and I love uh, Carr as a two guard. Uh, but Hunter and Jabari Rice, I think, are the ones who need to be handling the ball late in those crunch situations. Texas should roll in their next two games. They've got um, Arkansas Pine Bluff and Rice, and then they'll play Stanford a week uh, from this weekend uh, at the American Airlines Center in Dallas. And so, um, you know, you want you want to be tested. Texas handled it great in the Creighton game. Creighton got hot late. It became a you know, a three point game, you know, late and Texas handled it great and put them away. Uh, last night it, it got away. So you can learn a lot from a game like that and we'll see if the Longhorns do. Um, and then Texas volleyball moves to the sweet 16. Yeah. Texas volleyball. This is, this is they're the number one overall seed. This is exciting. They're uh, going to play Marquette, the, the 16 seed. And then um, if they win that game, they'll play against either eight seed or number eight Minnesota or number 10 Ohio State. Those are both uh, big time programs who've been uh, in the 
you know, in the final four in the past, but 17 straight years, Texas volleyball has been to the sweet 16. I mean, Jared Elliott does an unbelievable job of, of getting his team to play at a high level. And you'd love to see him finish it this year, 10 years after his first and only national championship in 2012, uh, because he's got such a loaded team and, um, it's, it's incredible when you lose, uh, a Sonya Fields and a Breon Butler and you bring in Madison Skinner from Kentucky who beat Texas for the national championship two years ago, uh, to the point, you know, you bring in Zoe Flack from UCLA, the PAC 12 libero of the year. She's the big 12 libero of the year. This year, you were able to take Logan Eggleston off the back line, um, because that's not her strength. She's, she's a much better frontline player. She's the Big 12 Player of the Year. Six All-Americans on this team. I mean, this is a loaded Texas volleyball team that just feels like a national championship team. So you hope for Texas' sake, they handle the moment. They didn't handle it last year. They got beat at home uh, by Washington in the uh, in the elite. Well, no. Uh, well, they didn't reach the Final Four, and they were um, – you know, the number two overall seed in the, in the tournament. So you just want to see them get there and close the deal this year, because you're going to be losing a lot of talent after, after this one. Um, Taylor, you ready for some love it or leave it? I am before we get to love it or leave it. We're going to take a really quick break, but stay tuned. We have more football talk coming up. We'll be right back. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, Chip. My first love it or leave it for you is love it or leave it. Texas needs to bring in a veteran quarterback in the transfer portal as an insurance policy for the 2023 season. Um, I hope not. <laughs> I hope I hope Malik Murphy is is the guy. Um, I'm going to leave this. It, it gets, it gets tricky. Um, it can clutter things up. I think it sends the wrong message to Malik Murphy. I think it's on Steve Sarkeesian and AJ Milwee to get Malik Murphy ready. Put all your efforts into that. You need him to be at Texas for four years, uh, challenging for the job, competing for the job, being ready. If he's not the number one guy, being ready, staying ready, and and developing. If he wants to be an NFL quarterback, Steve Sarkeesian has shown he can get you ready for the league. Um, I it's a it's a little bit of an unknown. It it's a question mark for Texas what 
they have behind Quinn Ewers. Um, obviously, you mentioned it, Taylor, Arch Manning plans to redshirt. I think Texas wants to honor what Arch Manning yeah. would like. I think it's a big part of the reason he's coming to Texas. So I'm going to leave this and say Steve Sarkeesian, AJ Milwee, get Malik Murphy ready. How about yeah. you? I agree. And I, I think not only does it send a, a, a mess, like a negative message to Malik Murphy, it also sends a negative message to Quinn Ewers. Cause let's be honest, no veteran quarterback is in the transfer portal right now, expecting to come to a program and be a backup. It's probably why they're in the transfer portal because they were, you know, a, a younger guy was coming on to take over. So I, I don't think that it sends a good message at all. I think you gotta, you know, if, if Texas didn't have a, you know, an answer at quarterback currently, I could see why they would consider that. But I think Quinn Ewers, with him being a young player and same with Malik Murphy too, you know, you don't want to shake the confidence of young players. And I think that was probably a, a reason why Steve Sarkeesian kept Quinn Ewers in the game um, in some of the games where he was even not playing very well. Whether you agree with it or not, I think it had a lot to do with not ruining the confidence of a young, of a freshman quarterback. And so um, bringing in a veteran, I, I think that would cause some issues, I would say, in the quarterback room. And um, not because anybody would be afraid to compete or anything like that. I just think it sends a wrong message to the players that they currently have who are very talented on the roster, maybe young, had some growing pains with Quinn Ewers, as we talked about, um, especially later in the year. But so freshman growing pains come with freshmen, you know, starting their first year more times than not. So yeah, I, I'm going to um, agree and say, I'm going to leave it. I do not think that Texas is in the position where they need a veteran quarterback from the transfer portal. Cause it's not going to be like no veteran quarterback is going to come in as an insurance policy. It's right. just not going to happen. And especially if you watch Texas football this year, Hudson Carr didn't sniff the field when Quinn Ewers was struggling. So right. it doesn't, it wouldn't make sense to me. All right. Number two. Second one is not counting quarterback Hudson Card. Texas is losing valuable depth to the transfer portal. Love it or leave it. Um, you know, I'm gonna I'm going to leave this. And and that's no offense to the players who are in the portal right now. We talked about Devin Richardson being a guy who you know, probably would have been competing for more playing time, if not, uh, you know, a starting spot at strong side linebacker or, um, you know, with, with Mo Blackwell, but, um, and, you know, we talked about Jameer Johnson possibly being an option at safety, but they, he didn't obviously, um, you know, up to this point, he has not, uh, taken that, uh, you know, that invitation he's in the portal, you know, we just haven't seen enough. And we do know that there's young players. If, if Texas lands an Anthony Hill, Anthony Hill is going to come in and he's going to play immediately. So it's, it's a little uh, dicey, but I'm going to leave this right now uh, based on the players who are in the portal right now. Uh, I'm going to say, that Hudson card is definitely valuable depth, but the question is not counting Hudson card. So I'm going to leave this Taylor. How about you? 
Yeah, I'm going to leave it. And again, it's, I agree with you. It's not a slight to any of the other players. Um, obviously, Hudson Card, he is valuable death. So, you know, taking him out of the equation, um, I, I think that Steve Sarkeesian and the staff have shown that not only are they able to recruit guys out of high school, they also do a good job of of hitting the portal to add quality depth. I mean, some of the players this season, you know, Ryan Watts is a, a prime example of a, a guy they added from the portal that came through huge. I mean, absolutely huge. And so I'm going to, you know, kind of, I feel like at this point, you know, Steve Sarkeesian's made it pretty clear that he has, he sits down with players after the end of the regular season, kind of lays out exactly where they are. He does it after spring football too. And he doesn't, he doesn't really sugarcoat it. And so I think this is, there's a lot of players obviously in the transfer portal from Texas, but I don't think it's a coincidence. I think it probably came under this, the suggestion, not necessarily suggestion, but the real conversations that Steve Sarkeesian has had to have with these guys in the, after the, you know, regular season meetings. So I, I don't think there's a reason to question the staff right now and their ability to add, whether it's from the transfer portal or out of the high school ranks, you know, guys that can be um, kind of early impact players for this team um, next season. So I'm going to agree. I'm going to leave it. And, you know, I, and again, that's not a slight. I think these guys, it's not that these guys are busts or just not good or anything. I just think, you know, the staff has a good, idea of what they're looking for and they probably just don't fit that mold. And so if that's the case, there's no reason to question it. I think at this point. Yeah. All right. Number three. All right. My final one for you is love it or leave it. Washington is a bad matchup for Texas in the Alamo bowl. Well, I'm going to leave this. It's an interesting matchup, but Texas leads the nation in quarterback pressures, according to pro football focus. So I think if you're, a Texas Longhorn. And again, we have to wait and see if who all on the defensive side of the ball is playing in this bowl game. Hopefully it's, it's everyone. Um, but you never know Tamarvin Overshone uh, would be a significant presence in this game with his ability to rush the passer and, and play in space and in pass coverage. But I think this is a game for for Texas to lick its chops and show the world that, hey, man, we can rush the quarterback. We can get pressure on the quarterback, even a guy like Michael Penix, who's got wiggle. I mean, he he can extend plays with his legs. He is fun to watch. And again, two 1000 yard receivers on that Washington team. So um, I think it's. a great matchup, an intriguing matchup, a high interest matchup. I don't think it's a bad matchup. Now, Michael Penix may have something to say about that on December 29th, but um, I'm going to leave this one, Taylor. I mean, it's it's a tough matchup, right. uh, you know, but uh, I'm going to leave it. How about you? Yeah, I'm going to leave it. I think it's, I agree with you. And I, I, I hate to agreeing with you on every single one of these, but I do, I do agree with you. You know, I think it's an interesting matchup. I would say that this is probably a more favorable matchup than if Texas were to face say Utah um, in the game, which could have been a possibility had they not pulled up that big one against USC. But yeah, I think, I think this is an interesting matchup. You know, if you look at the, the stats, Washington is at or near the top of 
college football in offensive categories. I uh, think they're number one in uh, passing offense, number two total offense, tied for fourth in scoring offense. However, I think the Texas defense, I'm not sure that they've faced a defense like the Texas defense, and obviously any opt-outs could impact what we're saying currently, but presently speaking, assuming that the guys on defense are going to play in the Alamo Bowl game, then I, I like there, I think this Texas defense has proven there's not really a reason to count them out. So it'll be interesting to see how Sark prepares for bowl games. Cause that was one thing with Tom Herman. You never really had to question was if the team was going to be ready for a bowl game. I mean, Texas came out in every single bowl game ready to just, you know, guns blazing. And they, they took care of business in every single bowl game that they played in under Tom Herman. This is going to be the first one for Steve Sarkeesian as head coach. So There'll be kind of an unknown entering that, but I do, I like the the defense. It's, as tough as, as on paper matchup it may appear from the defense facing this Washington offense, I think some of the numbers may be skewed a little based off of some of the teams that <laughs> Washington did play this season. So yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to leave it. I don't think it's a bad matchup. It's intriguing. It'll be interesting. I think it'll be a fun one to watch, but I don't think it's bad for Texas in any way. Well, speaking of the Texas defense, if you, have not already checked out the uh, flagship podcast interview with Moro Ojimo uh, that came out on Monday. Moro, the highest rated player on the resurgent uh, 2022 Texas defense. Uh, again, according to Pro Football Focus, uh, on a, a, an array of topics from life, being a 16-year-old arriving at Texas uh, to you know, the ups and downs of his time at Texas. He's still got a, a option to come back for his COVID season. Uh, Morrow uh, talks about, you know, the, the players who stood out to him this year, the young players, all of it. Make sure you check that out as well. Uh, and thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Flagship Podcast. For Taylor Estes, I am Chip Brown. Until next time, we'll see you over at horns247.com. Don't forget to, uh, if you're not an annual member, grab that 50% off annual membership. You get the Paramount Plus with it. Right, Taylor? I'm not sure about that. It's, it's in conjunction with um, Paramount promoting the Top Gun Maverick, I believe, coming uh, out later this okay. month. Well, Or in, Yeah. You just want the annual membership because that also gives you VIP access to every team site on the uh, preeminent 24-7 sports. I, wait, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. Paramount Plus is eligible immediately for Boom. free Paramount Plus. Sorry, this we just got word of this promotion uh, just yesterday. So, yes, it is. So this is actually one of the only times that there is a special where Paramount Plus you could be immediately eligible for a free Paramount Plus, Paramount Plus access, which in itself, I mean, you you are getting double, you know, what, what you pay for, basically. You get 50% off, plus you get both of those, which they both, I believe, typically run $99 a year. So 50, so 50 bucks for both for a year, and then you keep Paramount Plus after your year is over and you're paying full price 24-7, it's a no-brainer. I mean, and... If you're a monthly subscriber right now, you can upgrade to annual and get the uh, the Paramount Plus as well. So look, you got lots to do. It's Christmas. Uh, if no one's going to give that to you, give it to yourself. 
you you deserve it. And uh, don't forget to subscribe to the Horns 24-7 YouTube channel and feel free to give us a five-star rating on the podcast at iTunes and wherever you listen uh, to your podcast. We appreciate you so much. Hope it, you're having a, a happy holiday season. Um, and until next time, stay safe and keep the faith.